Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're going to begin this morning. Wow, those songs are awesome. We're going to, I, I want to, I cut a little bit short on praise and worship because I want to, I want to just share for a few moments and then, and then we're going to have a little bit of a celebration at the end. I'm so grateful for what God has been doing the last two nights with the youth. And anytime, listen to me, anytime there's ever been a revolution, it always comes through the youth. It only takes a spark, but I'm telling you right now, when the youth came forward this morning, the Spirit of God began to manifest His glory. And this is what we want in the service. And we can have that, but we got to come expecting it and get involved in it. Can I have an amen? amen. So on our first Sunday of the New Year, you know, uh, the first Sunday of the New Year, we began a series called Returning, Returning to Your First Love. John the Revelator got a vision from God regarding the spiritual condition of seven churches. And the first church he wrote to, so he sent out seven letters to these churches. Five of them had warnings that if they didn't correct the spiritual course of their lives, they were going to lose their light. They were going to lose the anointing of God. And, uh, and uh, that was five out of the seven. And then the first letter that uh, uh, John wrote to was the, a letter to the church at Ephesus. And if you ever, that means Ephesians. That means if you ever study that book of Ephesians, you'll recognize that the book of Ephesians is all about relationships. And what happened to the Ephesus is amazing how that, uh, you know, even Paul wrote to the church at Ephesians and commended them about their love and, and talked about the, the height, the depth, the width, uh, and the length of your love and how that when you, get the, when you get love established in your life, you can actually manifest the fullness of God's presence. How many want the fullness of God's presence in your life? Let me tell you, when the fullness of God's presence comes, you know what happens? It drives out everything in your life that doesn't glorify God. And I, I think that's awesome. So we need that in our lives. So anyway, so God said to that church, uh, you're busy, you're doing a lot of good things, but you've lost your first love, so you need to return. So this is what we've been teaching on. You know, when you think about first love, you think about second and third love. And when it comes to loves, all of us have loves in our lives, and God's not against it. We have, love, we have a love for, um, I wrote down a few things, we have a love for our families. We have, a, we have a love for creation. We have a love for uh, sports. We have a love for art. We have a love for all sorts of different things, and God doesn't mind that. In fact, he's the one that provided those things for us uh, because he wants us to, to enjoy life. Everybody say amen. amen. But listen, but not at the expense of our spiritual union with him. Right. Not at the expense of our spiritual union with him. And, uh, God, and, and, God, and it has nothing to do with God being insecure. He's not insecure, but we are. And so we need to put God first in every area of our lives. But when we alter his divine order, that is when our spiritual light begins to grow dim and we become weak when it comes to our Christian walk. Well, last week we talked about the principle of first. Let me give you the definition of principle. Principle is a fundamental law or truth. It serves as the foundation for a system of belief. Principle is the essential which all other structures are built on. And the principle of first is found, as we saw last week, throughout the whole Bible, which we're not going to talk about today because we covered that. But here in Matthew, the sixth chapter, we have an example of the principle of first, and it's in verse 33. Verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the first things first. First is seek ye first the kingdom of God. We know the kingdom of God is not something that is without, but it's something at within. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. It's not the natural things, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many believe that we could use some righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost in our lives? Absolutely, especially with all the things that are going on uh, today in the nation. So he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the things he was referring to was the basic needs that you and I have to actually have every day of our lives. And that, and that is food, water, and clothing. And then Jesus went on to say that, he says, if, 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 if God so clothes the, or first of all, God feeds, if God feeds the birds, which he does, and he clothes the lilies. In fact, he compares the clothing of the lilies to the apparel of Solomon and said even Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these lilies. So he's simply saying even God wants you to look good. Even God wants you to wear nice clothes. Amen? And, uh, I mean, he wants you to have the best of everything. But for, he's got to be first and foremost in your life. And listen, human nature always gets it in reverse. Human nature always gets it in reverse, and, we'll, and I'll let you know what I mean by that in a moment. Jesus, then Jesus, he says, oh, I like this. He says, um, if God feeds the birds, clothes the latest, lilies, won't he take care of you, O ye of little faith? Can you imagine if we had great faith? So it doesn't take a whole lot of faith. You just have to rest in God. God will take care of the temporal as long as you seek the eternal. Yes. Amen. I said amen. amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then God will take care of the rest. Amen. There is not an issue you face in this life God is not aware of and uh, has already prepared for. And though our natural needs are constantly changing, listen, both the principle and the promise remain the same. You, access, you, you enforce the principle, the promise will be there. Every time. Because God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't tell you one thing and then do something else. You put God first, God will take care of you. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. Uh, amplified, verse 33 says this, but uh, seek and aim at and strive after, I love that, seek, aim at, and aim at something, you've got to be focused on it, seek, the Bible says, aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, and I love this, his way of doing and being right, and then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. C.S. Lewis, he said this, when the first things are put first, your second things are not suppressed, they increase. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Leave that up there. When the first things are put first, your second things are not suppressed. They increase. How many want your second things to increase in your life? Amen. I do. I want everything to increase. Hallelujah. And everything I sow that is good, I want it to increase in my life. This morning, we're going to share a message called Returning to Your First Love. Now, don't you get nervous. I just want you to learn through your tithe, through your tithes and offerings. And I really felt compelled. I was going a different direction, just like last week. I was going a different direction and in another area, and uh, both Pastor Vicky and I were talking at home, and, and uh, I realized it's so early in the year, and it's so crucial that you have a knowledge of the tithe so that you can appropriate it in your life so that you can begin this year uh, uh, with the favor of God and not working against God. Again, everyone say amen to that. So important. Your total victory. Remember the word numeric, the numerical, the number 17 in the Hebrew means total victory. So your total victory in 2017 
will be determined by two things, your knowledge of God's word regarding the tithe, and then number two, your act of obedience in bringing those tithes to the storehouse. That's two things. Your knowledge of, you can operate in something. That's why people say, oh, I love the word of God here. It is awesome. But once you hear it, you're obligated to do it, to walk it out in your life. Amen. And uh, uh, last year, uh, we had a tremendous year in the ministry financially. It just was a record-breaking year. And guess what? And from 2006, when we started this building operation, from that point until now, finances have never decreased. They've only increased. Let's give God a good shout of praise for that. And that, that isn't that, okay, and people say, well, you shouldn't say anything. People stop giving. Well, that's not, that is, listen, if you're not giving, that surely hasn't, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't affected the church in the sense of finances. Every need is met, but we'll see from the Scripture, it will affect, it can affect the vision of God, and surely it'll affect your life as a believer. And so we're going to look at this this morning to help you understand what God says about the tithe so we can return to that, to that principle. Hallelujah. First things first. Can I have an amen? Solomon called the tithe the first fruits of all your increase, Proverbs 3.9. And though the first principle or the principle of first is recorded in Matthew. It's actually established all the way back in the book of beginnings in Genesis, and then it goes throughout the whole Bible. Listen, in order to reach the spirit, this is so good. Oh, I wanted to read this, Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, there's so many things I, I kept erasing, kept going, I'll not go back here. And there's so much in the Bible that says about giving, it's really hard to put it all in one service, and so I won't be able to do it. But uh, giving goes back to the Garden of Eden, okay? In Genesis 3, where the tempter, when the tempter tempted um, uh, the woman, he tempted her through what was called the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We remember this, uh, God commanded them not to eat of that tree. What did that tree represent? Well, actually, it represented two things. You can write them down. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented two things. Number one, it represented ownership. Ownership. Every time you write your tithe out, you're acknowledging that God owns everything that you have. Everything. Everything that you have belongs to him. And it really is true. Whether you want to accept that or believe it, everything, you don't own anything. You don't even own your own life if you're a Christian. It, it, your life belongs to God. Amen? And so, capture that in your mind. And so, he, number one, he's the owner. When you tithe, it reminds you. Number two, the children of knowledge of good and evil was represented the tithe. God said, don't touch it. it. It's mine. It all belongs to God. I said, it all belongs to God. Yet, he was... He, he, he set that, he established that word, uh, that 10% of it is the tithe. That's what the word tithe in the Hebrew means, 10%. And he said, that belongs to me. And we know that the day that Adam acted in rebellion against God and uh, the woman and took of that tree, uh, they experienced a separation from God. And from there, the curse came. Now listen to this. This is good. This is what the Lord said to me as I was studying this. He said, in order to reach the spirit of man, Temptation has to come through the soul of man. Let me say it again. In order for Satan, uh, or, uh, in order to reach the spirit of man, temptation has to come through the soul of man. That was true then. In Genesis, it's true today. Every time the tithes and offerings are received, your soul rebels against the will of God. Listen, through, through human reason. The reasoning the reasoning faculties take over and begin to, you begin to think of all the reasons why you can't tithe. And its purpose, listen, is for you to validate your reasoning for not obeying God. That's why these 
th thoughts come. You know you can't afford to tithe. That's what the devil says. And besides that, it's under the law. Stupidest thing I ever heard. It was 400 years before the law, during the law, and after the law. Amen. I said amen. And, of course, we could prove that, but you just have to take it. It's from the Word of God. All right, you can't pay your bills now. How can you afford to tithe? There's another thought. The other thought is, all the preacher wants is my money. Yeah. And uh, so that is a big one. And uh, all that warfare is going on in your soul for one reason. It's to cast doubt in your heart regarding, regarding what God said in his word about the tithe. Bring the tithe to the storehouse. And so you got you to know who's talking to you and be able to discern it. Write this down. Tithing is an act of devotion, devoting yourself to the Lord. It's an act of devotion. Tithing is. In Leviticus 27, it says this. God, again, he's speaking to the children of Israel and giving them spiritual instructions regarding tithing. Here's what he said, verse 30. All the tithe, say all the tithe, of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Now, some of you sometimes may get weary when we go to Malachi to talk about the tithe. But first of all, for some of you who may not know, Malachi was a prophet, okay? He was the prophet of God. And when the prophet of God spoke, listen, he only spoke because he was stirred by the Holy Spirit to speak what was on the mind of God. And so he, uh, Israel, had actually completely stopped investing financially into the will of God, into the house of God, and it was a mess. And so that was working against them. See, God never works against you, only works for you. You just work against yourself when you don't, when you refuse to line your life up with the word of God. Last year, we had a great year. Every need was met. But there were, I mean, I'd never seen, you know, so many people gone. I mean, it was just amazing. And I know that life can get busy. I know there's vacations to be. And I, oh man, I love it every time. I just talked to a precious couple that we love dearly, and they were heading up fishing with their family this weekend. I don't hold no ill will. I think it's awesome. The only thing I was bummed out is that they didn't take me with. I talked, called, called another guy one day and, and, uh, and just to say hi, and, and he said, oh, just, just a minute, Pastor. I got one on the line. He was in the fish house fishing. <laughs> Amen. So I thought, why didn't he call me? Anyway, I, so I don't mind that stuff at all. Don't mind it at all. But there should be a consistency of your life that you want to be the, in the house of God, if all possible, so that you can hear what the Spirit is saying on that specific day. Because whatever he's saying on that specific day, the Bible says that the word of God is manna. It's bread for your spirit. And if God, God wants to get the bread of his spirit into your life so that whatever you're facing on Monday, you're going to prevail and win against it because God is for you, not against you. Can I have an amen? So Malachi, he's what he says. And he speaks both of the negative and the positive effects that that uh, tithing had on Israel. Here's what he said. I, this is the NIV, I the Lord do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He's simply saying, I kept my word, and I'll keep my word, but boy, if I didn't keep my word, you'd be in trouble. That's what he's saying. For ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away, I think the King James has gone away, from my decrees and have not kept them. My decrees, my decrees, that's plural. 
Think of, that's plural, okay? Now, return to me, or we could say, return to your first love through the tithe, amen, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So, but you ask, how are we to return? And then God says, will a man rob God? Will a, will a man rob God? And I don't think any of us would ever want to be in our community, and everyone in the community knows you're a thief. That's just, that number, that's not good for your, your, your um, it's not good for your reputation, you know. Uh, don't hire that guy, he's a thief. And yet, we read these things, and we, we brush them off as if that, well, that, you know, we can move on from there. And then we, then when we share about giving, we share about the blessings of giving, we become deluded into think that we qualify for those blessings when we haven't even tithed. Amen. Amen. I wish I had some, like, exciting music behind me just to... But I mean, these are, these are very sombering things when you think about it because they say, and it, it's not here, thank God, but they say, you know, uh, universally, that, um, uh, they say 15 or 12% or something like that of, of the church tithes. Well, can you imagine what we could do if 80% did? Amen. I mean, it really would, you know, impact a community. Let's go on. Will a man rob God? Well, of course, yeah, we will. If we don't tithe and give offerings, we're robbing God. And then how can we expect God's favor on our lives when we do that? I think of one man, again, as others. There's one man, Judas Iscariot. He was the treasurer. Maybe some of you don't know. He was the treasurer in Jesus' ministry. And the Bible says that he was stealing from the bag. And you know what's sad about that? He spent three and a half years with Jesus. And in those three and a half years, never got delivered from greed. Never, never got. He loved the temporal more than the eternal. He even sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Is that sad? Never would have done that if you'd been a tither. The devil would have never gotten him. So you see how powerful money can be. Well, what, but what's amazing is that 10%. God didn't ask for 90. God didn't ask for 50. God didn't ask for 18. He asked for 10. Amen. Now, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. He didn't ask for 10. He said, it's mine. Don't touch it. Otherwise, you're a thief. Amen. I don't want anybody to look around. <laughs> well, a man robbed God. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. There it is. In tithes, that's the decrees, plural. Tithes and offerings. You are under curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now, we don't like to think about New Testament church. We don't like to think about being under the curse. Now, the first 20 years of my life, I lived under the curse. And it is a horrific place to be. Horrific. Horrific. Now, since I've been a Christian, I'll just tell you, all of you, since for some of you haven't lived out, I'll tell the young kids this. We've been serving God 45 years. He's met every need. So you don't have to worry. Because if you did it for this Norwegian, you got it made. Hallelujah. But learn how to tithe when you're young. Learn how to tithe and give offerings when you're young. Amen. Because if you'll let go of that $10 from the 100, you'll let go of the 1,000 from the 10,000. Amen. You'll learn how to progress so that when your lifestyle changes, you won't be tempted to take that which, be, which belongs to God. Amen. I said amen. amen. Now, in Joshua 6... He, he said, now Malachi said, you're under a curse. 
Now, in Joshua, it's the sixth chapter. God calls the tithe, and I'm, I don't have time to get specific. Well, turn to Joshua 6. We'll read a couple of verses there. Joshua is the sixth chapter. Go back there for a moment. In Joshua, the sixth chapter, God calls uh, the tithe a, a cursed thing. Amen. Now, in this story, before we get to Joshua, uh, the um, sixth chapter, in this story, Joshua has been called by God to do what Moses didn't finish, and that was take the children of Israel into the land of promise. That was his calling, okay? Now, when they marched towards that land, the first city that was, the, the fir- listen, the first of 30, 30 cities, the first of 30 cities that they would conquer, the first was Jericho. So that first was considered the tithe. Amen. And we'll see it from the scriptures here. And uh, because the tithe always in the Bible is either called devoted, consecrated, or here accursed. And the word accursed is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It means to destroy. Isn't that interesting? Destroy. Because if you do not destroy it, your act of obedience will destroy you. Destroy. Very interesting word. So anyway, and, and um, uh, let's read verse 17. Now, and the city, you, you go back and read earlier, uh, shall be accursed, even it and all that are there unto the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. All right? Verse 18. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. God didn't say, I'm not, God didn't say no, I'm going to curse you. But you're going you're to make yourselves accursed. And um, lest you make yourself, and when you take up the cursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and trouble it. But all the silver and the gold, the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Amen. Verse 24, they burnt the city with fire, all that was therein, only the silver and the gold, the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Amen. Chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, he took, uh, uh, and they were of the tribe of Judah, by the way, the, uh, the, the tribe of praise. They took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. His act of obedience brought the, ang- brought the anger of God on the whole nation. Uh, yeah, his, dis- his act of disobedience brought brought. The anger of God on all of, 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 the, of the children of Israel. So, it was so serious. And then, of course, we know from the story, the sad outcome of this story, and that is this. Of course, they went into a battle. If you read on there, they went into a small battle with a, with a, um, a king called Ai, and they lost 35 Israeli soldiers because of the transgression that was in the camp. So innocent lives were taken. And Joshua, I mean, he, goes, he gets on his face. If you read on, he's crying out to God, and God said, get off your face. I'm not even listening to you. That's what he said. Until you deal with the sin that's in the camp. Very serious. And so they bring Achan up. And, and it was so sad because Achan just took, a, I mean, compared to the wealth, he just took a little bit. And hid it in his tent. The Bible says that he coveted those things. See, when you don't tithe, you're coveting the thing that doesn't belong to you. When you don't tithe. And so, 
What happened is that they brought Achan, he confessed to it. And, and again, it not only had a negative effect on all of Israel, they lost 35 soldiers. It had an effect on Achan's life in that they took him out with his wife and their children and stoned them to death. Now, I'm not, you know, relax. I'm not saying, thank God, say thank, say, thank you, Lord, I'm under grace. Amen. We brought a load of stones, but I, I, I didn't bring them out, no. But what a tragedy, what a negative, sad story just because someone was tempted, tempted to take what belonged to God. And I'm going to try to put any fear, I'm just simply saying, let's stop for a moment and consider our lives. You know, uh, and just consider how your life is, how, how, how you know, uh, you're doing financially, and, and, and even this, how you're doing in business. God wants to bless your business. But you got to have him on your side to do that. Can I have an amen? In the sense of you, you, you making him the first love in regards to your tithe. So, listen to this. Will a man rob God? Yeah, he will. This is a good statement. Listen to it. When, someone, when something belongs to God and we touch it, there are repercussions to our actions. Our refusal to tithe will not only have a negative impact on our lives, but on God's house as well. And it does. You can't imagine the thousands of churches that have to close their doors because people stop giving. They stop giving. We don't have that problem here, thank God. We, but, but they stop giving. Why do people stop giving? They get offended. That's one of the reasons. They get under pressure because they got bills to pay, so they put that first. There's all, all sorts of reasons why people stop giving. We've seen it in this ministry through the years. But that doesn't harm Yes, it can, it can retard or hold back the flourishing of a greater effect a ministry has in a community. You know what I'm saying? When, when the tithes don't come in because you can't do what you want to do. Amen. We just, I'm just thrilled this past week. We just sent out thousands of dollars in, into missions again this past week. It's just fun to do that. To, it feels good to know that seed is going out uh, to people who are believing God just like we and God is answering their prayers just like ours. Can I have an amen? So it's good to do that. But I want just to encourage everyone. I'm not here to cast any, uh, a shadow on anybody, but to encourage you to challenge God uh, by obeying his word because God will honor, he will honor your faith and he will manifest his glory in the arena of your businesses. Can I have an amen? He will do that. He's faithful. Thank you, Lord. When you tithe the, or you, when you bring the first fruits, of your tithe to God's house, not only is his house blessed, but God will honor his word and he will bless you in every area of your life. Malachi 3, verse 10. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the flood. I love that NIV. Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have any room to receive it. Is that awesome or what? Come on, lift your hands and give God praise if you believe it. I believe that. That's for the tither. It is. Then he says this, the NIV, the, the King James says, I will rebuke the devourer. And of course, immediately we think about the devil. But um, he said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. You have to understand, agriculture was the, mean, was the source of their provision in those days. Agriculture. So my goodness, what a blessing. Amen. 
to have rain coming when it needed it, uh, needed it and uh, have the sun shining when it needed it and, and have the insects uh, away from your plants so that you receive a, a great return on your, on your investment. That's what God wants for us. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed for, your, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. See, I want people that in the community to we're just like you. We're proud of Faith Family Church. I mean, you know, as pastors, as staff, we're proud of Faith Family Church, meaning that when you leave this place, we want God's glory and blessing to be upon your life. So when people ask you where you go to church, I go to that church that teaches me that I can have victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord, and, and because I give, I'm prosperous. I want that testimony to be in the community. Amen. I want that for every one of you, and God has it for you. Now turn to Genesis 14. We're almost done here. Genesis 14. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tie this together with Abraham. Genesis 14, and uh, I'm going to read. Now, just to prep you on this verse, um, I could go many places here. It's so good. But anyway, Abraham, his name is Abram, so I don't want to confuse you. When I say Abraham, Abram, it's the same guy. Abraham, here, he's still Abram because he isn't Abraham until Genesis chapter 17. But in the 14th chapter, Lot has been taken captive by some enemies, an enemy force. So um, Abraham, or Abram, takes 318 of his servants, and he goes after him. And the Bible says in verse 16 that he brought back, brought back all the goods and also brought, again, his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Verse 18. Now watch this, because I want to tie this together with your giving. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Question, what is bread and wine significant of in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Say the covenant meal. Yeah. So here is Melchizedek meeting Abram, and he sits down with him, and they cut covenant together. They enter into covenant through communion. All right. And the Bible says he was the priest of the Most High God. Amen. Can't get any higher than that. The priest of the Most High God. And the Bible says, and he blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Woo! Hallelujah. He declared that Abraham was the possessor of heaven and earth. Come on. I want to be a possessor of heaven and earth. I want, to be, I want to possess all the blessings of heaven and all the blessings of earth. He goes on and says this. And, he, and the Bible says, and and, uh, and, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. Watch this. And Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. Hallelujah. Amen. Gave him tithes. Now, again, we could go back and prove it that, uh, that uh, Abraham, and I'm not going to for the sake of time, but Abraham got that. That was handed down to him because we know from the scriptures that in the book of Genesis 4, Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. The difference was that Cain brought an offering and Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. He brought the first. And so Abraham didn't get that revelation that was taught him. The tithe was taught to him. So that, that was the first thing he did is brought the tithe to Melchizedek. Now, let me tell you what the ministry of Melchizedek was for. It were two things, and it said it right here. You write these down. This is the ministry of the high priest. How many have a high priest today? What's his name? Jesus. What, what's his name? Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Hebrews, two, uh, uh, Hebrews 3, 1 says that he's the high priest of your con, uh, confession. And Hebrews 2, 14 says he's the high priest of things pertaining to God. Amen. The tithe pertains to God. And so he's the high priest. And, and so there's two things the high priest does. And it's in those two verses we just read. Number one, he confers the blessing. And number two, he receives the tithe. In that order, he confers the blessing and receives the tithe. Hallelujah. See, there's many of you here today that already have prepared your tithe. Some of you, there's quite a few in here that send your tithe through the, what do you call that, Anna? through the computer. Oh, thank you. Internet. And so, and, and, and so you've already, see, see, you got blessed before you came in here. Hallelujah. Because the high priest of your confession, amen, first thing he does is confer the blessing. The second thing, he receives the tithe. Hallelujah. Do you remember when Abraham uh, uh, God told Abraham to offer up his son in the altar. In fact, he says, I want you to offer up your only son. Ishmael wasn't even considered a son of Abraham because he was a son of the flesh. He was not a son of the spirit. And, and so he said, I want you to offer your only son on the altar. I want the first. He demanded the first. So Abraham went, man, him, he was dead serious. He got the blade out. He was gonna, he was gonna drive that blade right into Abraham's chest or whatever, the, however they killed him back in that day, and he had that hand up, man, and Abraham said, <laughs> the angel said, Abraham, Abraham! He had to say it twice. Boy, the guy's dead serious. Because <laughs> he wasn't going to back down. He was going to obey God all the way. I said all the way. So you can see God requires the first. So anyway, now I want you to turn to Hebrews. For the sake of time, I want you to turn to Hebrews 6, and this is where we tie it together. Hebrews 6. Just five more minutes, I'll read these scriptures. Because this talks about Melchizedek. In Hebrews 6, because you're saying, okay, is the tithe in the New Testament? Well, it is. Uh, in the New Testament, I'll prove it here that has never ended. The tithe has never stopped, and it's found here in Hebrews 6 chapter. Now, nobody knows who is the writer of Hebrews, okay? They have guesses. They, you know, I've said, you know what, it doesn't matter. I, I, I sometimes think it was Paul. Some, some think it was Luke. <clears throat> I don't know who wrote. I know one thing. The Holy Ghost wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and um, I'm going to read the sixth verse. <clears throat> in uh, Hebrews 6, verse 13, excuse me, out of the Message Bible. Amen. Now listen to this. It's up there. You can follow. It's really good. When God made his promise to Abraham, now watch this. Now, why is this important for you and I? I've repeated this so many times, I'll repeat it again. Galatians 3.29 says this. If ye be Christ's, now raise your hand if you're Christ's. All right, thank you. If ye be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what he's saying to Abraham here is connected to you and I. Hi, ma'am. Now watch this. <clears throat> when God made the promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, this is God. God's word don't come return to him void. God said, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Now remember, he made that promise to Abraham when Abraham could no longer even have children. You, you mean the promise in the natural could not come to pass. Couldn't. And sometimes you think in your life, how are we ever going to get out of this financial situation? Well, you can't by yourself. But with God's help, he will bring you out. Hallelujah. He will. He's faithful. Hallelujah, says Abraham stuck it out. Say he stuck it out. 
Amen, he did. And got everything that had been promised to him. Now, when people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there's any question, they'll make good on the pro- that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. Now, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. So when he comes, says, bring the tithes into the storehouse, and I'll pour you out a blessing, God can't break his word. Hallelujah. Man, that should make you excited. Praise God. Woo. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Now, now watch this. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right in to the very presence of God where Jesus, watch this, running ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order or the divine rank of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to stop. Keep that in your mind. Go on to chapter 7. It's only broken up by chapters for studying, but this was one long letter. All right, verse 1. Melchizedek, he's explaining now, was the king of Salem, uh, uh, the, the king of Jerusalem. That's what it's, that's what, Jerusalem, okay? Salem, and the priest of the highest God. He met Abraham, who was returning from the royal massacre, and he gave him his blessing, and Abraham, in turn, gave him a tenth of the spoils. Now, Melchizedek means this. It means king of righteousness. Who is the king of righteousness? Jesus. Amen. It means Salem or Shalom. It means peace. Jehovah Shalom means peace. So he is also king of peace. Melchizedek towers out of the past with record of fam- with, without, without record of family ties, no account of beginning or end. In this way, In this way, he is like the Son of God, one huge priestly presence dominating the landscape always. Now, you realize just how great Melchizedek is when you see that the father Abraham gave him a tenth of the captured treasure. Amen. So Abraham had a revelation of who Melchizedek was, that he was the high priest of the Most High God. Let's go on. Verse 5. Now, priests, you got to just stop for a little. I'll explain to you. Priests, Descended from Levi. See, there were 12 tribes, all right, 12 tribes. Levi, uh, uh, Levi was part of a tribe. Levi's tri- tribe was chosen to serve in the house of God, and Levi was a high priest. You get that? This is talking about in, in, the, in, the, um, in, in Israel's uh, uh, day in, 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 the, in the wilderness. Watch, let's go on. Now, priests descended from Levi are commanded by law. Now, here's the law. They were commanded by law, watch this, to collect tithes from the people, even though they are all more or less equals, priests and people, yeah, we're all alike, right? Yeah, <clears throat> there's a call in our lives, but we're all the same. We have to fight the good fight of faith, obey the word of God all together, we're the same, okay? And um, having a common father in Abraham. But this man, Melchizedek, a complete outsider, collected tithes from Abraham and blessed him the one to whom the promises have been given. In acts of blessing, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Would you agree that the lesser, that's us, is blessed by the greater, that's God? Why don't you give him praise that he's the blesser in your life? Amen. Thank you, God. He is. Let's go on. Or look at it this way. We, now remember, okay, the Hebrews was specifically, specifically addressing Jewish 
the Jewish Christians. Now, he says, we, that's the Jews, pay our tithes to priests who die. But Abraham paid tithes to priests who the scriptures say lives. Or look at it this way. We Jews, we pay our tithes to priests who die. But Abraham paid tithes to a priest who the scripture says he lives. So ultimately, you could even say that, say that since Levi descended from Abraham, who paid tithes to Melchizedek, when we Jews pay tithes to the priest of the tribe of Levi, they end up with Melchizedek. So what is that saying? Jesus Christ took up stepped into the rank or position of authority that Melchizedek operated in. And what was that? He conferred the blessing and received the tithe. So it's proof. It, that scripture right there is proof that that, that is Jesus' ministry in your life. Now, thank God he, he has more ministry than that, but that's part of his ministry. It's to confer the blessing and to receive the tithe. That has never stopped. Unless, of course, Jesus is dead. Now, I haven't heard that lately. Did you see that? I hope you understood that. That whole thing ties together. That, that, the entire verse there, the reason Abraham was blessed the way he was and all the impossibilities in his life came to pass because he was a tither. And so it is with us because God's no respecter of persons. No, mind you, it doesn't always, we always say this, you know, God is, no, God, God is not up there, you know, he's no slot machine. I'm going to put in a dollar. <laughs> Come on, hit me, hit me. God is not that way. God, your prosperity can come in all different forms. I'm telling you, every day you walk in health, it's, that's prosperity. Every day that you have peace of mind, that's prosperity. It really is. We trust God. We walk with God. We endeavor to obey him as best we can and then leave the rest to him. But he promises to protect us, and so we have our faith in that. Can I have an amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.